I offer you as a Good Friday meditation a dialogue between the self and the soul of a 24-year-old graduate student. Soul. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Jesus said this to show what kind of death he was going to die. It's Good Friday, and you are in church. Are you being drawn to Jesus, lifted up on a cross? Self. Frankly, no. There is too much violence in this world directed against the innocent and the defenseless. Why pay attention to an event that epitomizes the killing of an innocent man? I have enough blood to look away from on the television and in the newspapers. I can't bear to see photos of abused children, neglected animals, body parts scattered on a French Alp, 147 university students shot dead, most of them because they were Christians. Why should I be drawn to Jesus on his cross? Soul. Then why are you here at this Good Friday service? Self. Because it is important somehow to get through Good Friday, to be able to celebrate Easter. Resurrection is something I'm really into. I'd feel like a lightweight if I skipped today and showed up with flashy new sneakers on Easter Sunday. Soul. But this day is called Good Friday, not Bad Friday. We remember much more than the lynching of an innocent. What happened was more than a miscarriage of justice. It was something that Jesus deliberately chose to undergo to fulfill the deep and eternal plan of God. Self, I know, I know. He died for the sins of the world and all that. But that doesn't make me feel any better about it. His disciples fled. Why can't I keep some emotional distance from it? Soul. Perhaps you have the sense that this is a big stage cosmic event that doesn't have much to do with you as an individual. Self. I guess that's right. Soul. Do you realize that if you were the only person in the world, that Jesus would still have to die on the cross to restore you to God? Self. Now just wait a minute. That's preposterous. I'm a church-going, born-again Christian. I have no criminal record, no felonies, no misdemeanors, just a few traffic tickets for speeding. My student loans are paid up. Unlike some, I reply to invitations. I Skype with my parents nearly every week. I don't employ four-letter words except in sudden and unexpected pain. I'm always careful to use condoms. Nothing I've ever done deserves the death penalty, if there still is such a thing in Massachusetts. 
So why would Jesus have to die because of my sins? Soul, you're forgetting a few things. The brief but significant plagiarism in your senior thesis at college. The hundred dollars you took from your sister's bureau drawer to pay back an insistent friend. The car you deliberately backed into this winter when the driver moved your lawn chair and took the space you had spent three hours digging out. And have you thought of the things you've said? You know, speaking and writing are acts just as much as hitting or stealing. What about the cruel jokes, the unkind jibes, the unverified gossip, the merciless takeoffs of other people that have made you so popular at parties? Have you considered your interior life, your thoughts and feelings? Jesus said that looking at someone lustfully is adultery. He said that being dismissive and angry about your brother is murder. He said, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the mouth come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. Think about your college roommate, whom you envied and ultimately rejected. Think about your fantasies of revenge on the teacher who flunked you in astronomy. Think about the game you play when riding the tea, imagining how each young woman would look naked. And what about the things you haven't done or said or thought or felt? They are sins as well, sins of omission. The accident scene you passed by, you weren't involved after all where you later read that a man had died waiting for the EMTs to arrive because no one had a cell phone that worked. You did. What about the time when your grandmother was dying and wanted to see you to say goodbye, but you were on spring break in Fort Lauderdale? Or the check you said you'd write to help a war-wounded classmate afford a better prosthesis, but haven't yet written, although the appeal letter came nine weeks ago. Self, stop it, stop it. You know too much about me. This isn't fair. Soul, of course I know all about you. I am your soul, always with you, trying to connect you to God. You can't fool me with your good looks and cheerful demeanor. I know you inside and out. In God's eyes, you are a serious sinner. But your greatest sin is not deeds or words or thoughts or feelings or things not done. Your greatest sin is that you do not really trust God with any consistency. You do not thank God in any regular way. You do not love God with any deep, an enduring passion. Yes, you have moments when things get out of control, when you turn to God in desperation. Occasionally you wake up to his more obvious mercies and thank him. 
You tell him you love him, but it's as brief and shallow as the peck on the cheek a commuter gives to his spouse when rushing to catch his train. You basically live life for yourself and by yourself with God as a consultant and backstop and your faith the ticket you punch to a happy hereafter. Self. All right. All right. You made me feel sad and rotten and exposed in a front of a room full of strangers. Now, if you please tell me how Jesus dying on the cross 2,000 years ago is supposed to be any help to me now, the thought just adds to my depression. And don't tell me that he took my place and paid the penalty for my sin. I've heard that all my life, and it doesn't make me feel any better about God. In fact, it doesn't make any sense. How can God tell me to be forgiving when every sin committed against him has to be paid for through punishment. So, I will answer your question if you will answer mine. Why is it so hard to forgive? Self. Well, it's so hard to forgive because when you forgive, you lose. You take the loss. The wrong stays with you. If you lend money and forgive the debt, then you, not the debtor, takes the loss and are out of pocket the amount of the loan. If someone punches you and you don't punch back, then you are left with a black eye or the bruised cheek. If someone insults you and you hold your tongue, then you are the one who is demeaned and humiliated. Revenge restores the moral equilibrium of the world. Hurt me, I hurt you back. It's simple justice. But if I forgive, I absorb the hurt into myself. I suffer the loss. I forego any right to retaliate. That's why it's so hard to forgive. Soul, well said then perhaps it is more helpful to understand the cross not so much as Jesus' perfect man taking our place to receive the punishment we deserve as Jesus, God incarnate, bearing the burden of our sins to affect forgiveness and reconcile us to the Father. This understanding of the cross makes sense of Jesus' mysterious cry of dereliction, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A son being punished by his father is not forsaken by him, oh no. But if Jesus took into himself all the harm and hurt and loss and insult of our sins, then in a sense he became sin and the intimate, continuous fellowship of father and son had to be interrupted because God's holiness will not compromise with sin. And Jesus experienced in that moment what you, as a serious sinner, experience much of the time, the absence of God. And it killed him. <laughs> 
and it will kill you if you don't come to the cross and lay your sins down before him. Self. But I'm a born-again Christian. I've said I was sorry for my sins when I asked Jesus into my life as Lord and Savior. Soul. When was that? Self. At camp when I was 17. Soul. Have you sinned since then? Self. You know I have. Soul. Then come today. Indeed, come every day to the cross. In your imagination, look up into Jesus' face as he hangs there above you, head bowed, face contorted with anguish, chest heaving as he struggles to breathe, the wounds in his hand and feet bleeding as his life ebbs away. Look long at him. Confess your sins to him. And then sit down with your back to the cross and hold on to it with your arms behind your back. Close your eyes and stick out your tongue and wait until a drop of blood touches it and sends peace through your body, the healing peace of shalom. Then say the four words that are all that really matter at the cross. I'm sorry and thank you. Self. This is weird. I'm sorry. Thank you. Soul. And Jesus said, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Amen.